Welcome to West of MLK, revealing Sawibo beyond the wire, where we introduce you to the amazing people making southwestern Baltimore a great place to live, work, and visit. Listen to the voices of the community discussing what's happening on this side of MLK and topics relevant to everywhere. West of MLK revealing Sawibo. We got a late start, so it's about time to wrap it up. We'll see you next week. <laughs> um, let's go around the table here. Uh, everybody introduce yourself. Our guest this evening is Brandy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey guys, I'm Miss Cook Therapy. My name is actually Brandy, but it's lovely to meet you guys. It's My a microphone, you talk into it. Okay, cram it. My name is Laura. I am the co-owner of both the Backyard and Mulberries at Holland's Market, and I am the co-founder and producer of this podcast, West of MLK, with Nicole, who will also introduce herself. Hi, uh, I'm Nicole. Um, I live in Holland's Market. I um, am helping out with this podcast here, West of MLK. Excited to talk to Brandy today. Okay. And uh, Nicole is one of the most talented and multi-talented people you'll ever meet. Photographer, artist, all-around cool person. Stop, Jim. Stop. Right. I mean, continue. So anyway. Dessert purveyor. All right. So, Brandy, we're here tonight to talk about, well, is it tonight or is it during the day? I don't know. Are we here tonight? We're here tonight to talk about your multifaceted business. But I want to start with, with your brittle which, make a pun, it's very strong, having eaten it a number of times before. <laughs> um, how did you get into the brittle business? So, you know, it's a very interesting um, kind of how this all came about. I think the heart of me and the, a lot of people in my family is just like, we find a way out of no way. Um, and we figure out a way to make what our talents our new hustle. And so um, during the pandemic, um, I lost my job because my business uh, that I worked for closed down. Um, and somebody asked me, I've always cooked, I've always made different things, um, and it's always about getting in the kitchen and trying new things. And so someone was like, I have an event on Saturday. Do you have anything that you can sell? Um, and I remember that I made cashew brittle, because I'm not a fan of the peanuts, but um, I made cashew brittle um, back in like 2004 um, for some coworkers, and everybody started placing orders. And at the time, that's just not the lane that I was living in. Um, and so when this came up and in the middle of the pandemic and uh, a lot of people, especially in Baltimore City, know that unemployment was not kind to a lot of people um, with some of the things that were going on. Um, I said, sure. And um, I retweaked my recipe. And the next thing I knew, um, this side of Baltimore City um, embraced me. And um, that's how I made my living um, throughout the pandemic. So what were you doing before? Was it anything at all related to this? Not at all. I, um, for the last 16 years of my life, have been either a uh, manager or director in residential care, either for adolescents or adults. Um, for a little bit, I worked for Job Corps overseeing the residential program. Um, and so my, my life has always come from social service. And I always try to bleed those two lives together now with food and service. 
Um, and so I started doing even cooking shows um, with uh, adults with developmental disabilities. Um, and I, I kind of wove that into my role at work. And so once the pandemic happened, I just carried that over into my business model that I started um, out of survival mode. So you, so you were doing sh like YouTube channel type shows uh, for, for your client base mm -hmm. in your in your non superhero job. <laughs> and, um, so you had a background in cooking and, and teaching people how to do these things. So how much fun is it to make candy? It's a passion, like everything that I make, like I, I won't make brittle, um, you know, on certain days if it's not, if I don't feel it, you know, cause I feel like my mind, my heart has to be in what I'm doing in order to sell it to somebody else. Um, anybody who's ever met me in person or um, has seen me at a vending event, especially local here in Baltimore City, you know, the show is called West of MLK and I have literally been embraced by the community over here. Um, and I've only lived in this area for now two years, um, but for me, it's just really like I, people meet me and they see my logo and they're like, it's like your logo came to life. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's I good think, logo. yeah, anybody that knows me, they, they know that in any room that I walk in, I always walk in and I say, hey guys. And so if you see any of my posts, any of my, you know, publicity for my show that I do, um, all of my vending events, I always wave and say, hey guys. So it's, um, you know, it's just, it's a passion of mine. And um, it really comes across, I think, even when, like people say it's brittle, you know, until you taste it, mm -hmm. um, you know. And so it's, I call it my deluxe buttery brittle and people that taste it, um, they always come back. In every vending event that I've ever done, I never leave with product because I don't like to pack up stuff because I don't do manual labor like that. And so um, I always try to make sure I sell out. So you talk about uh, being here for two years and uh, over here. Where's your uh, where's your roots? So oh, so um, here in Baltimore City, I currently stay um, very close. And matter of fact, like across the street from Holland's Market, um, it's been um, a cornerstone in a lot of the selling that I have done. Um, you know, I have been that person when I first started out because I also sell grilled lemonade, mm -hmm. um, which is we're going to talk about that. Later. Yeah, which is an experience um, as well. But I've just been that person where I would pack up my car in the morning time with whatever products I've made. And I, again, have just been embraced by the community. I go to barbershops. I stop at, you know, on the corner. If I see somebody, I'll pass out samples. And it's just been um, a pleasure for me, one, to get to know the neighborhood since mm -hmm. I've been here. But the people in the neighborhood, that's the, that's the, that is the building bridge relationship that I've loved so much. Um, and it's changed my life. So so that's where you are now. Mm -hmm. And so I ask you a question. So you, you get hurt. Uh, walking down the street, and they call the they call the nine one one, and they send out a vehicle to pick you up. What's that called? Um, Begins with an A. An A. I'm going to make her say ambulance. Yeah. Ambulance. Yeah. Are you so you you don't say it with the Baltimore accent? No, because I'm not from here. So that's so. What, how did you end up in Baltimore? Are you from so, Krypton? Or? So, um, as I said, I've, I worked in social service for a really long time. Um, and so I original, well, before I came to Baltimore, I was living in Vermont. So that's a whole nother story for a whole nother podcast, um, because one day I'm going to write a book and it's going to be called Stiletto, Black Stilettos in a Green State. 
Um, but um, I knew that my assignment there had came to an end with the work I was doing with mm -hmm. the young people I was working with. Um, I applied for a job and I, um, the first place I applied for, I flew out here, did an interview, um, and I started looking for a place to move because I knew I was going to get the job. And um, that's how I ended up here in Baltimore. So you picked the West Side. I did. I West did. Side rocks. <laughs> you say the candy was something that was you first did when you were younger. You you, you grew up, you know, family teaching to cook or. Um, well, I mean, you know, everybody in my family cooks and, you mm -hmm. know, like on both sides, my, my mom's side, my dad's side, everybody cooks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just recently home in Ohio and I can't tell you the number of family members that I have um, that, again, hustle and have side like hustles where they're selling food, they're doing different things. Um, and so for me, it was just kind of ingrained in me. Um, but I've always been the, and one of the things about cook therapy for me um, and that's kind of how I came up with the name is, is that cooking really is therapy. And I feel like everybody should be able to have some type of release in their life um, that just gets them lost to be able to sometimes just get away from the day to day. For me, that was cooking. And um, I uh, learned a lot from the people that I grew up with. But I've always loved where I see something, taste something. I walk down the street and I smell different flavors from restaurants and things like that. And I try to figure out something new, a different twist on things. So when I cook, it's not like textbooks. I'm like, please don't come for me. This is Miss Cook Therapy's way of doing this recipe. Um, and it's just an idea for people to understand. You don't have to do everything standard. You can make food any way that you want to, and it'll be okay. How much octopus do you have currently in your freezer? So funny that you asked me that question <laughs> because... Um, octopus is my uh, food arch nemesis, um, and, and so I would have to say. I was um, going to ask you about your arch nemesis. Yeah, and so, <laughs> so the beat you to it. So the thing is, is that, and it may be weird to some people, but I always have one or two full-on octopus in my freezer. So right now, I have two. <laughs> And um, I did even an episode. So I have a cooking show that comes on every Tuesday on Facebook Live. Um, people can always go there at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time um, to view it. Um, it's always something new, something different, but with a little bit of a twist. And my focus is always on flavors, textures, and taste. Um, but I've cooked octopus on my show, I think, twice at this point. The last time I sous it and then seared it off. Um, but I'm trying to mimic some octopus that I had at a Greek restaurant. And one of these days, I'm gonna get to it. But I always remind people, I'm Miss Cook Therapy and not Miss Grill Therapy. And so the one that I had was over charcoal. And so I, you know, I had a little bit of a situation when I tried that attempt, but I'm gonna get back to it. I struggle with octopus. Really? Uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I mean, I love it, but I struggle cooking it because it's, it, I, I've had it when it's like you say, it's really good. I had a uh -huh. place in Chicago and it was just enough bite to it and get into it and it, doesn't fall apart, but yeah. it's got some texture, but usually it's tough. It should, no, it should cut like butter with a spoon. That's how, yeah, that's how this that was. And I have not been able to replicate that and I'm very angry about that. So. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, is that with some of the people that watch my cooking show that comes on every week, mm -hmm. um, they're always surprised about some of the things that I make. And it's, you know, it's I'm all about trying new things. Um, but when it comes to octopus, one of the things that I always tell people, it's not calamari. No, it's <laughs> like, not. It's it is not, not calamari. And so people not. get that confused oftentimes, but that's part of what mystical therapy is all about. It's about being able to bring food ideas that other people may not have really been um, presented with or tried and giving it to them in a way that is familiar and they feel comfortable, you know, walking in and just saying, hey guys, 
I'm going to try that too. Yeah. All right. I've got two questions for sure. you. What's the wildest thing you've ever cooked on your show? Oh, that's a hard question. So I octopuses think, doesn't even come close. No, I wouldn't say that. I think one of the things that people make comments about a lot, and somebody actually asked me this two days ago, um, I make cactus tacos on my show. Whoa. And they're like cactus that's not a thing you eat like and then and on top of that one person i remember one time said is that like oliveira and i was no <laughs> two, two different things but um but again it's just like one of those things it's just like they may have never seen it but then in other cultures it's so normal you know and it's something that they cook with every day but it's like i want the kid that lives across the street from me here on um, in our neighborhood to be like comfortable. Like if they see it in the store, we're like, oh, I, I saw Miss Cook Therapy make this. And, and she said it tasted amazing. And um, I think I might just want to try it one day. Yeah. OK. Second question. Uh, what's something you can make blindfolded? Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> Not octopus. <laughs> no. So blindfolded. I mean, any. Um, there's so many things. Um, I think one of the things I recently made that was very, and I hadn't, I hadn't eaten it and I had not made it in a very long time, but I could have, I did it a halfway sleep is I made some, um, um, pig ears. And so <laughs> the goal was to make, I wanted to, I wanted a pig ear sandwich, hadn't had one in a really long time, but I was like, it was one of those days where I was reminiscing on my family and my dad and stuff that we used to share. And I used to be like, oh, that seems so disgusting. And, um, but it's just like in my new life as Miss Cook Therapy, it's like, I know I can make this taste even better than who met, you know, like that last time that my dad had it before he passed away. And it was just like, that was the thing that drove me. And so that would be one of those things. I must oh, go ahead, Jim. You have a question. No, I'll give you All right. Uh, I'm very interested in, um, hearing about your grilled lemonade as well i've i've heard little rumors and now i want to know what this is all about so the grilled lemonade is amazing first of all <laughs> first of all that was three questions not oh, two sorry. <laughs> i'm sorry three so the the grilled lemonade again came out of necessity um i again i think i lost my job um that closed down because of COVID, like on the 22nd of the, the month and um which was like a thursday i think that Saturday, my friend called me on Friday, and it's somebody that I actually been with. He's another um, Black-owned business that's local to the area um, that I have been to with and participated with multiple times. And he said, Brandy, I'm having an event on Saturday, um, and I want to know if you have a drink that you could sell. And my first response when people ask me that is because I'm a problem solver is, of course I do. I couldn't tell you the last time I had made a lemonade um, other than um, like country time. Um, but I sat down and that's kind of how recipes come to me. It's just like, I literally just kind of sit down and I'm just like, I throw things around and I remember flavors and te uh, textures and tastes that I've had and I come up with something. And so I was just like, lemonade, mm -hmm. but how do I make it cook therapy? And so that's how I came up where I actually grill my lemonade. People will ask me all the time, like, what do you mean? Why are you calling it grilled? And it's because I literally coat them in something that I made up. Um, and then I grill them off before I squeeze them. So my lemonade is darker than like a traditional lemonade because it's charred. Um, but it's also the experience of tasting is very different. And so the pop from the lemons, because they're grilled, when you drink it, they burst. And so it's not like, you know, sometimes you get those store-bought like orange juices and stuff and the pop is just flat and it's just, it takes up space for no reason. This like has a 
textures, flavors, and tastes is cook therapy. And that's exactly what my grilled lemonade is. My base um, seller is my lab, grilled lavender um, blast lemonade. Um, and so I make an organic lavender syrup. Um, everything that I make, I know every ingredient and I can count it down and give you the breakdown of the recipes by calorie count because everything is naturally made. And, um, and so it's, a, it's an enjoyable experience and people, once they taste it, they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's the same thing with my brittle, um, but the lemonade, again, the, my, my grilled lemonade and my brittle carried me through the pandemic as for me, a black woman trying to figure things out in Baltimore city. And when I say that the city has embraced me, um, it's weird if I ever get recognized um, from either my cooking show or me vending and, you know, people seeking me out for my products, you know, they're often, um, they are um, sold in um, the uh, Holland's Market um, and Mulberries. Um, you know, I also have sold them over at the backyard, um, but I've also sold them at different local um, businesses, you know, uh, in the area um, where they're just like, I love this product. I know my people would love this product. And so they take it on and sell it. And it's just been a, a beautiful thing. Okay, so um, <clears throat> back to this pig ear sandwich. <laughs> um, so uh, this is something you had growing up? I So I'm going to have to tell you, I did not eat this when I was growing up. My father ate it. So me and my dad had this, this partnership. This is the story I want. Yeah. yeah, me and my dad had this partnership because, you know, I was the young kid. So my dad has a lot of, you know, um, you know, high blood pressure and all those things run in the black community, right? So my, my mom had my dad on a very strict diet, um, but it was like at a time where like he would pick me up from like, what is that called? Preschool where you go for half a day yeah. or whatever. So he would pick me up and he'd be like, we're going to go eat, but just make sure you don't tell your mom <laughs> kind of a thing. And so he would pick this kind of stuff up. Like it was nothing for him to go get like a pickle pig foot from like the local, you know, place where you play lotto or whatever, pig ear sandwiches, stuff like that. And so I would sit there looking like, oh, that's disgusting. And while I'm eating like, um, you know, peanut butter and jelly mixed together on a plate with crackers. Um, but it was like one of those things I always saw. So now in my life as Miss Cook Therapy, I try to revisit the things that I saw, the people that I love and like the people that I know, you know, just really enjoyed simple food. And I try to just remix it a little bit. So yeah, you grew up, you could smell it mm -hmm. and probably smell good, right? Yeah. So like, so for me, like not African-American mm -hmm. growing up, ordinarily the joke would be that, you know, we're having mayonnaise sandwiches on white bread, <laughs> but um, not too far off. But uh, a big thing in, in my heritage is uh, my dad grew up canned fish, not like, mm -hmm. not like tuna fish, but like herring and like strong flavored fish. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And then I introduced my kids to it. They both eat it. My wife leaves the room. So. In, in your cooking, you, you, ha you have followed two paths. You have sweet and then you have the savory on the, on the other end. Do you have a preference on those? So I would have to say, like in my personal life, I don't actually eat a lot of sweets. Right. Um, and one of the things that probably has saved me from gaining a whole lot of weight is that I don't do that because I would just have a stockpile of brittle that I would be like pounded down every day. Um, but yeah, so right. for me, it's just like, and oftentimes it's a mixture of the two. Like I love to be able to figure out how to make savory and sweet meat that is not so on one side that it doesn't um, respect the fact of the other. Um, and so it's just, it's a balance for me. But you know, I had a sweet shop in Holland's Market um, that was um, partnered here with um, Mulberries. 
Um, and I was making all kinds of stuff. You know, my cupcakes were delicious. That was something everybody came for. But even at one point during the pandemic, um, you know, with the backyard, <laughs> you know, the city had been shutting down, opening, shutting down, opening. Um, and uh, Laura had was like, do you know how to make donuts? And I was like, I've never made a donut, but I could have one out. tomorrow. Um, and she did. <laughs> and then I did. Um, and so and it became a thing at, at 6 a.m. on Friday. So you Fridays. got technique. Yeah, 6, 6 a.m. on Friday. I think it was like with 24-hour notice. I was selling donuts. And so, <laughs> but nice. I made them in like one of my best-selling donuts that I had. So we had ones that were topped with cereal, all different kinds of stuff. Um, but, I saw those. Yeah, but my best-selling donut that I had, I like had an idea. And then I started like Googling like, do they have, um, you know, dried pickled jalapenos, right? And I was like, oh, this isn't a thing, but I was like, I think I can make this. Um, and so like one of my best selling donuts um, was one that had a homemade, um, homemade dehydrated pickled jalapenos, bacon, um, and then maple. And it was so you, so you right amazing. on that frontier where we're sweet and savory come together that's mm -hmm. a hard that's a hard thing to do because yeah i when mean it's, when it's when it's right it's yeah right. and it's like it's like one of those things um like even my brittle like i think one of the things is i had a cousin that had never tasted my brittle right um and he had went to the store and posted a picture online about he got this like container of brittle and he was like oh it's the best thing ever and my mom who's mrs cook therapy i'm miss cook therapy she's mrs cook therapy she made a comment she was like well you've never had your cousin's brittle clearly um, so I brought him some this past weekend. Um, and the difference is, is that I finished my brittle with flaky sea salt. Um, and so it balances out that in your mind. And so it's just always, again, mystical therapy is about flavors, textures, and taste. And it's a combination of experiences that makes a recipe unique, but also something that you have to try again. So part of this, this uh, particular version of the podcast is, um, is for, uh, Black History Month, mm -hmm. and now has your experience as African American uh, helped or hindered your cooking in terms of uh, people accepting it, people wanting to eat it, or do they have a stereotype that says, "Oh, well, she must be cooking ribs, or she must be cooking like super sugary stuff, or, or something that would be more stereotypical, like the white bread sandwich"? You know, it's funny. I, I will say though, um, every food item um, can be found in every culture. It's just with a twist, if that makes sense. It's either the accessibility of ingredients or um, time spent in cooking, you know. Um, but I think for me is is that people see me and like immediately you think all I cook is soul food. It's like us, you know, this young black girl that you know, um, all she cooks is soul food, and that's so not me. Um, yeah, because it's not a lot of octopus. <laughs> it's not a lot of octopus in that. But um, I think that, that I would say that's probably the biggest misconception that people have when they either see, you know, just my logo or um, meet me um, just right off the base until they actually experience what miscook therapy is. Because um, I try to embrace everything. And I think I live my life um, as the black woman I am and working, especially growing up working in social service. My job was always to reach every dynamic, um, every group of people that I was working with. And I think it's also important to then introduce them to every other culture that you have encountered 
Um, and I think it's very important. And I've always felt that as a black woman, it's part of my job to be able to open that door of education. Um, and so then I can also then introduce even more of my own culture into it. Um, and so that's kind of always kind of how I live my life. So Brandy, so I've tasked you now with making Jim a mayonnaise and canned fish sandwich on white bread. And true to my Jewish heritage, my pig ear is the cow tongue. Oh, first the of thing all, I grew up with my grandmother putting in front of me that looked exactly like a cow what tongue. it is. Mm-hmm. We need to revisit that. It well, you know, delicious. you know, the thing about it's funny, and it goes to the point that I just made is, is that every food that you can think of will show up in different cultures. It's just the twist on either how it's made, how it's prepared, how long it's cooked. Um, you know, the quality or the cut of whatever that might be may shift a little bit. How high on the hog is Exactly, because I can tell you that my great-grandmother, Grandma Ludi, um, who I love to death, um, I, we would wake up when we were there and a cow tongue was nothing to be in the pots for lunch or whatever. Um, same thing with like a cow brain with a cracked egg on top of it. And so I take your challenge and I <laughs> will make it one of my episodes of Miss Cook Therapy. How about that? I can't wait. <laughs> Since we have this bag of brittle here, I'm pretty sure that we all need to try it on um, this podcast right now. So we're going to open this up and try. So you've never, so you never, never tried it. What kind of brittle did you make me? So I, I believe you have my pecan, um, my deluxe pecan buttery brittle. Um, and also, I want to say I sell cashew, pecan, peanut, almond, um, macadamia nut with peppermint stick. And I just made a new German chocolate cake brittle, which oh. I am excited about. Oh. And it's going to be on sale in February for Valentine's Day. So my cooking story for Valentine's Day is last year, I um, made something special for my wife and had some neighbors over and um, I didn't tell her what it was, but I put it in the sous vide for a while. It's my favorite toy. Yeah, it really is pretty Well, good. maybe my second. Yeah. So, oh, too soon. <laughs> so, this is a family friendly <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, um, I, and um, I, so then I pulled it out and I laid it on a hot grill and seared it down and I cut it into nice steak-like pieces and um, everybody pretty much liked it. But um, then when my wife found out it was beef heart. Oh, I love a beef it heart. Was, it was pretty damn good. I have that in my freezer right was, now. Yeah, they're good. But she did not like the idea of having that for Valentine's Day dinner. Well, I can see where you were coming from. You're like, I'm going to cook a heart because I love you. Um, mm -hmm. Or kill you in your sleep. <laughs> this is true. Um, so, but it's again, it's one of those things. They got to be adventurous to be able to, yeah, you she's know. She's not adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> not on that front. But, um, and we're definitely not having that for dinner this year. Yeah, don't do that again. <laughs> she's already told me. <laughs> so, um, this brittle is amazing. It really is. It's delicious. Thank you. So, you know that we have a neighbor and a friend whose wife stopped him from buying your brittle i know because he ate two bags in one day listen she came up to me she came, i met her at a vending event um and then from there i just became really good friends you know i love all of my customers um, and the people that support my business um but um they're very special um individuals she came up to me in mulberries <laughs> at holland's market <laughs> 
She was like, you are not to sell another <laughs> bag of brittle to my husband. And meanwhile, she like turned around and, and went somewhere. And then he was like, I need you to go outside and get me a bag of brittle. And so I always tell people it's going to be an addiction that you just don't have. So like my brittle is thicker than like a traditional brittle that you'll remember from like Christmas when you were a kid. Um, but it's thicker, but it's packed with buttery love, honey. So you take a bite of it. And it's so funny. I, I recently had somebody who had like four teeth and they were just like, you should make a commercial that says brittle so good. You don't need teeth to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> They were like, cause it, it literally, you put it in your mouth and if you don't bite through it, it'll just melt away. But then it's just the roasting of the pecan, the cashew, the peanuts, the almonds, the macadamia nut. It just, it presents different in each different flavor. You should have told us about the melting in the mouth first. So we wouldn't be ruining the editing process by crunching this brittle into all the microphones. It's good crunchy too. Listen, it is, um, I, like I said, every time I have a vending event, and like I said, Baltimore City, especially west of MLK has supported me. I have done multiple um, vending events with the BNO. Um, and I have um, done their holiday holiday um, bazaars. I have done um, their Oktoberfest um, with my grill lemonade and my brittle, um, along with, again, I sell um, my products over at Mulberries and Holland's Market, along with other places throughout Baltimore City. And um, it's people always come back. So one of the things about the flavor is, um, it's like I could make a brittle and it would be hot sugar with nuts in it, and it would be super sweet. And this is sweet, but like you say, it has those other flavors to it. It has um, even, even not just the nuts by themselves, but the, you use a cooking process, obviously, you, that you're well acquainted with. So, yeah, so it's, it's, there's a balance there that's, that's different. Yeah, you know, one of the things is is that it's about, like, you see, like, everybody, there's recipes all over the place, right? People YouTube recipes, they Google stuff all the time. The thing is, is about understanding the science that comes along with cooking. And, you know, it's, you know, I'm not saying that I was a perfect, it's, I struggled to uh, pass biology in college. Um, <laughs> yes, but um, the science behind cooking is something you just innately know when you, it's about visual, it's about then, you know, just innate sense of what's moving along as you're cooking something. Um, and so I'll look at a recipe and then figure out substitutes um, and or changes in temperature. So like the big thing when you're making candy is all about temperature, right? You gotta have a thermometer, it's gotta get to this certain point. Like for instance, like there is a certain temperature that you're supposed to add nuts at when you do brittle. There's a certain temperature that you're supposed to you know add the butter at when you get to a certain temperature and that there's a certain point when you're supposed to pour my recipe is not on the regular scale of what those are um, and it's because i realize that you have to be able to roast all of those things in the different nuts because some have skin other ones don't you know some have more of a buttery consistency cashews are more buttery you know than you know a peanut and so it's just about figuring out a balance but it honestly <clears throat> it just comes to me because I just know that there has to be a little bit of therapy in it. If I just follow a recipe, there's no therapy for me. Yeah. I just want to know what the peanut ever did to you. <laughs> well, see, so, that's exactly where I was going. Go ahead. Yeah. You, okay, you first. No, you, no, you, you already asked. So. so it's not that I dislike a peanut. So <laughs> I, because I, I cook with peanuts all the time. I, you, I do peanut sauces, you know, um, I put them in. I do a lot of, I love to do stir fries and different things like that. So I'll put peanuts in that. I love a cooked off peanut 
um, but you, you will be hard pressed to sit, see me sitting down, cracking open a peanut and eating it like out the shell. That's just not my thing, but you know, it could be your thing. That's your peanut cook therapy and it's, it's not mine, but I, I do love in my, in mind you, I have a lot of um, people that purchase my brittle and all, they don't want to hear about any other nut variety. All they want is that peanut. And it's just like in my peanut brittle that I sell, I, so I double the amount of nuts that I put in my peanut brittle. So when I say that you, you get like nothing, you're not going to be disappointed in any level about that amount of nuts, the um, amount of flavor, textures, and taste when it comes to eating my brittle. You missed a perfect off-color joke there for the record. I didn't miss it. <laughs> so um so the yeah I'm, I'm with you on the peanuts thing I, I i like them a little bit but they're not my favorite I like, yeah you know the other stuff um lost track of what i was thinking so i will say also too that um so when people say like oh where can you find miss therapy i've mentioned that you know i go to a lot of local vending events i'm really looking forward to some of the things that are popping up in baltimore city and this side of town especially during the month of february um but even with that people always can find me um online i'm miss cook therapy on every platform and so I post often on Ms., um, on my Instagram page that is at Miss Cook Therapy. I mean, it's MS Cook Therapy, not Mrs. Um, but you can always find me there. And even sometimes when I'm just cooking on the sidelines at home, I post those personal videos as well on there. Um, but on um, Facebook, my um, cooking page is Cook um, Cooking Therapy. Um, and my show comes on every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Be Inspired Global's page. And so you can catch me live because my show is 30 minutes. And for whatever reason, I always seem to finish my dish in 30 minutes. That's a um, good thing. It is. People producer, get home from work. You get home from work. You yeah. want to cook. You want to have something on the table in mm -hmm. 30 minutes. Otherwise, yeah. it's too long. Yeah. And my producer is always amazed because I do not have a clock in front of me. Um, but I um, am always there. And after you watch my live show, please make sure that you like follow and comment and share um, but you can always go to my facebook page of cooking therapy and you can watch that week's episode but along with all of my other content because i've cooked some amazing things all right so 20 bucks family of four meat starch vegetable 30 minutes 30 minutes meat starch vegetable under 20 bucks family of four under for thirty dollars under under twenty under twenty dollars oh that's simple so many different things give me a, a category of uh cuisine uh seafood oh seafood yeah oh that's super easy um i would say to go to one of my favorite places to go grocery shopping and i say this all the time on my show is to the h mart um the asian market is one of my favorite places to go to to go grocery shopping you literally can walk through the aisles and you can taste different herbs that you may not even know how to pronounce but you give um an opportunity to taste and mind you ken young is one of my favorite herbs that i get when i go to the asian market um and i use it on my show often um i would honestly say that an easy thing to do um, would be 20 bucks is to find yourself whatever is on the manager's special over at the market um, for that day. And it could be something as easy as just getting either chicken thighs. Chick chicken thighs actually are my favorite thing to cook with. Um, but then you double that down, you know, so you get chicken thighs. You could easily get a pack of that 
um, you know, for about five, six dollars um, because they're cheaper than chicken wings. Yeah. Um, and then all you have to do after that is to be able to then combine a sauce. Sauces save lives because the ingredients for them don't cost that much. So you got chicken thighs, you get some okra, you get a bag, a ham, couple of handfuls of fresh okra at the um, Asian market. Produce is everything when it comes to balance for um, meals with family. Um, you slice those, you add in some potatoes. Potatoes are always cheap. Um, and then you cook that down with coconut milk and you also cook it down with a little bit of fried off curry powder. Um, and then just mix that sauce together. You sear off the chicken thighs and then you put that in the pot with the okra potatoes, pour in that coconut milk and the curry that's already been mixed in, put it in the oven and sear that off. Side of rice also goes underneath that. You can always just add something else in that you think might be delicious. It's on my page. You can find it. That sounds awesome. That, that sounds, sounds awesome. <laughs> really good. You know, one of the things I have to say, one of the things that I'm looking forward to that I mentioned probably a year ago, because Laura and Mike um, from the backyard were my very first guests on my cooking show, um, which we just celebrated our first year with, um, which I'm very proud of because um, it came to me in a dream. And I was like, one day I'm going to have a cooking show. And I was able to make that come to life. Um, so they were my first guest on my show. <clears throat> and um, I remember at that point, it was just, I, was, I always throw around ideas because I have a list of like 125 meal options and recipes that I literally like, I feel like God blessed me with when I was sitting on the couch one day, when I was trying to figure out what my next step in life was gonna be. Um, and so one of the things on my list was cabbage rolls, right? I was going to, my next question was to ask you about how you feel about cabbage. Yeah. So first of all, I love cabbage. I, I, I love, I love vegetables in general, but I love cabbage. Um, but the thing is, is that again, cause it's cooked therapy. So it can't be just some regular roll cabbage rolls. Um, and so one of the things that I like, again, just popped up was just like, and I told this to Laura and she was like, I got to taste it. I want to say when you make it, I want to, do you know what I'm talking about? I sure do. What is it? No. Oh no, 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 no. You're talking about the. It's like, I, I want to make a cabbage roll, but I want to use, you don't remember? <laughs> well, can we edit this? Because I want to re remember on uh, on the podcast. I mean, it, I, no. It's kimchi. Please. Kimchi. No, but that's my I favorite. I had kimchi for lunch. Yeah. That is my favorite. That that has kept me from being sick often. Yes, I want, I want, to, I want to be able to do a twist on a cabbage roll. Nice catch. <laughs> Yeah, I want to be able to do a twist on a cabbage roll, um, but use kimchi, the whole um, head um, kimchi as the wrapper for it, and then just put a different twist on the ingredients that goes in the meat. Obviously, I'd probably use pork um, and or ground chicken, um, but that's that's where the lane of cook therapy comes for me because I love kimchi, right? So I love the flavor of it. Then from there, I also love the color of it because sometimes Cabbage rolls can look a little bland. Um, and so then that brings a different la uh, layer into it. Nice. Yeah, see, and then, and then it's just about how do you get creative where it doesn't just taste like, you know, a lettuce wrap from a typical restaurant. And so it's like, that's where my mind goes, but my test kitchen is all in my head. Like I, when you see me do my show, I've never made any of that stuff before. So just played it out like a thought mm -hmm. experiment. Based on what you just said and some interest in the parties surrounding you right now. The question on the table is, you said that sometimes recipes aren't therapy, sometimes you go off script, mm -hmm. and, and that is the therapy. However, is there a way that you can take what you learned by sitting on the couch and being inspired, that you could create a cookbook for people that isn't necessary recipes, but in, 
inspiring to people that can, can you put yourself in print that would allow somebody to also find their own path and their own flow? So it's interesting that you say that. So I, um, you know, I was blessed um, to be able to, you know, if you see my logo, my picture is actually a picture my friend had of me from college. Um, and he is a pastor now. He does, you know, he used to do graphic design, but he made that picture because he said that looks like you, that's the essence of who you are. And so even when, you know, everybody does a lot of cooking stuff online, my show to me is still just, it's based, I am not the best cook in the world, but it's about showing people that you never have to be afraid to get into the kitchen, right? Um, and so when you talk about a book, it's something that I have been working in and out of for a really long time, but I can tell you it won't just be a book. It's going, and it's gonna be an experience of cook therapy. Of course, but is there a way you think you could put in print some of the direction that you found to be inspiring? So, mm -hmm. so if I read a recipe, I'm the worst cook in the world. Don't tell anybody I own two restaurants, but <laughs> I, it, it, that's not my thing, right? I've seen you cook, I've eaten your food. I, I, I am also inspired by you. You've never made anything that I have disliked and everything you do that I love. If I were to read the essence of Brandy on paper, do you think that you could translate that to somebody that would just pick up your book and say, you know what, I'm inspired to take suggestion. Do you think you could put yourself on paper that would help somebody like me? 100%. I, um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, before my job closed down, everything went virtual, right? Um, so one of the, so I, I was a director for a, um, I was a deputy director for a day program for adults with developmental disabilities. So they went to virtual for everything. And the first thing that I said, well, I, this may not be my lane, but I can, you know, provide some tools that my first thing was cooking. Um, and so it was always about the science of the situation, being able for them to be informed, writing down the recipe that I gave, but also them writing down the variation of that recipe that they wanted to use. So oftentimes it was them and then say a parent or somebody else with them. Um, and we talked through, um, but wrote down. So if somebody does a because I do cooking lessons also, um, and also do meal preps for um, people, um, is, is that if you, um, you know, kind of sign on to that, and it would be the same thing in written form, it, you get a section where it's like a write out of, you have to list out all the things that you need in the kitchen that day. You have to, you know, do your grocery shopping list, but then you get the basic recipe and then you get options for alternatives. And then you always get a quirky miscooked therapy version of what that is with some ingredients that most of the time they've never ever used before. And so like, even when I would do my cooking lessons with them on virtually, everybody's dishes look similar, but they were different because they were able to get at the, when I stopped doing those at that particular time um, for, for my job, it, it, it was one of those things where they honestly just enjoyed being in the kitchen because they then started having the same passion of what cook therapy is that I have. Great. So cook therapy is your whole thing. And you mentioned earlier, when you're cooking the brittle, there's some days you're just not feeling the brittle yeah. spirit moving you. Mm -mm. So. On those days, do you go down in the kitchen and maybe find something that needs a special piece of heat put to it <laughs> and uh, or, or whatever, maybe pound it out or something like that and, and work it all out? And Another then joke. Eat? <laughs> oh, pound it out. Just saying. So, um, or that, 
Um, <laughs> Family friendly, Jim. So you go down in the kitchen, you make something good mm -hmm. out of a challenging ingredient. Does it do away with your frustrations when you get to eat it? It's, you know, some, it it's therapeutic. It's it very much so. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I was dealing with some things, you know, the pandemic was very complicated, you know, mm -hmm. and I would have my personality um, can, you know, be very ups, ups and downs, ups and downs because of what I was dealing with. It was literally you seeing people at their worst, but you have to help them out. Yeah, I mean, and the other part was, is I was at my worst, you know, the I, building this business came out of a very dark place for me to, mm -hmm. to a certain extent, because I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose myself because the pandemic was making me lose everything. And I think the thing for me was, is that I was like, I gotta, like I said, I gotta hustle to figure something out. And the thing is, is that the, the reason I literally like kind of pulled like six of my friends, I was like, I had like four different names for what my business was going to be. Um, and I was just like, oh, you know, whoever, however many counts I get, that's the one I'm going to pick. And so I did all of that. And it was like, I don't want any of your ideas. Um, and then, <laughs> then because I, as I was sitting on my couch, I got this, I was like cooking is my therapy. So when I, when I have a bad day and I get stuck in a rut where I stop being motivated and I'm not productive, I literally will pull myself out of bed, go into my kitchen and make something that just probably never should have been a meal, but I make it. And as I'm going through it, I work through what issues I have because that's my cook therapy. Now, how does how do onions figure into that? They they kind of oh onions and garlic are life. <laughs> onions and garlic are life. If if you don't like garlic and you don't like onions, I mean I don't. <laughs> So that process of getting them to go from being really pungent to uh, sweet and savory uh, mm -hmm. helps mellow your mood a little bit. It does. I mean, so many different things. I think it's just like the opportunity. Like, so right there, like my friends, right, laugh about my freezer. And I probably need a mini free freezer at this point, but... Just for the octopus. Just Well, not just that. Like, I, I think some of the top five, I would say, in my refrigerator right now that most people have, probably have never purchased, um, well, some. Um, I have a whole rabbit in my freezer um, because I plan on making a traditional paella. Um, and I also have bone marrow in my um, freezer um, because I'm going to be doing some craziness with that as well. I use, I use the bone marrow when I make my pho. Um, which is amazing because um, the broth cooks for 15 hours. Um, and so I sell that every now and then. Um, and then um, I have, I think we mentioned earlier about a little bit of heart. So I got a couple of hearts in my freezer um, as well. Um, and I just have, I have a stockpile. So like if you come over in a heartbeat, you want something, I probably can figure something out. That sounds good. I'm all in. Uh, I want to circle back a little bit. You were talking about cooking is your therapy. Um, the pandemic sort of threw us all for a loop. I heard you talk a little bit about meal prepping for other people. Did you meal prep for anybody during the pandemic? And was that a, a useful way to, you know, feel good and, and, you know, have that therapy for yourself? As it, well? it was um, something I enjoyed so much because it allowed me to get creative. Um, so, I, um, vending, selling my lemonade, ran into somebody and it was actually the very first day that I made my, my lemonade recipe. Um, I met him as a customer at my little lemonade stand and um, I, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm trying to get healthy. He's an actor. 
um, and does a lot of different things. He played on House of Cards um, uh, with a consistent role. Um, he's like, I gotta get my eating on point. And I was like, I was able to, you know, I have a, um, a just amazing resources around me. So being able to have a knowledge of, you know, losing weight, what that looks like, calorie count, what that looks like differently for different body types, um, is um, something that then I then can take just the basic stuff. So you're not just getting like, you know, steamed chicken and, you know, broccoli and all those things. I prided myself. And if you go on my Instagram page, Miss Cook Therapy, and you kind of go back, you'll see where I would post every um, week on the same day, I would have to prepare seven days of meals, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks. Um, and the goal for me was to never repeat a meal within the month. And that's exactly what I stuck to. Um, Cause it's again, you can almost do, if you have one protein, I always tell people if chicken is your thing, right? You can flip that one ingredient into 20 different meals. It's just about being able to step outside of what your normal seasoning is. People get stuck on the same seasonings all the time. Um, and then again, fresh herbs change the complexity of a dish in a heartbeat um, and not always preparing things the exact same way. Like I always tell people, if you go on someone who is a cook or a chef, their page on social media, you know how you scroll up when you're looking at stuff? If you do a fast scroll up and everything looks brown, everything looks orange, um, that means everything that they make is fried most of the time. They use kind of the same vegetables, um, but they, then they prepare it similar to the, the other, all the other meals that they have. Um, and like when you go on my page, when I was doing meal preps, it would because some people weren't their goal wasn't to lose weight it was just i don't have time to cook and so you would be able to kind of flip that out but it allowed me and they worked with me to the point where when i did meal preps they allowed me to be able to work around their allergies um you know their strong dislikes but then they gave me a list of things that they would be willing to try because that's what cook therapy is so during the pandemic, when you were starting this business, you were also doing some food delivery. What was, who was that for? So it was for everyone, even when it comes down to my meal preps. Um, you know, if there was a situation where I um, was, you know, brittle lemonade, people could either get curbside pickup um, that I would do um, and or those that did my meal preps, um, it would be um, contactless um, delivery to their home. Um, and so one of the one like of a personal chef. Yeah, I mean, basically a little, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, I was bringing a lot of food. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of my customers was a nurse and you know how, you know, crucial they have been throughout this pandemic along with all the other essential workers. Um, but, and she was very cautious, um, but we would talk through her, you know, spring glass door, but every week on a certain day during the week, I would deliver her seven days worth of meals. Um, and uh, it was, I felt, um, that I was serving a purpose, especially during a time when a lot of local restaurants um, were not operating at full capacity because of the, you know, the the restrictions that were placed um, within the city. Um, my small business, you know, I'm a locally Black-owned business that has started out here in Baltimore City. And again, I have enjoyed the fact that I have been embraced by my community, um, but I had to figure out a way that I could kind of start to carve my lane. Um, and on a small scale, that was one thing that I was able to do. You know, I've done even where, you know, I had an um, opportunity where I did a whole cooking demonstration in Holland's Market um, with Mulberries um, for Thanksgiving. I set up and first of all, my turkey is delicious and it's like the best one ever. Um, but I, <laughs> I um, you know, was able to take that through of 
the cooking therapy of it all because people get so anxious when it comes to cooking a turkey, you know, um, and then being able, but then it's a twist on this, you know, the side dishes. And even from there, from that experience that I did here in Holland's Market, um, you know, in my neighborhood, this, per, this past Thanksgiving, someone who attended that here at Mulberry's contacted me to do their side dishes and they're, they weren't, they're not typical side dishes that a lot of people have, but they enjoyed the experience of what cook therapy was when they were here. All right, so uh, I think we're getting ready to wrap up here. It looks like if this were C-SPAN, we'd go to the audience for some questions. So we have Laura from Holland's Market who asks, she has a question written down on the card. But, oh, oh, okay. I have so, the wrong card because oh, okay. podcasting is new to me. So, so I would like to say, is there anything you'd like to talk about that we may have not known to ask you? Since we've been driving this train, Brandy, and I know that you've got a lot on your mind, so something what, you would like to say? Well, I would say that um, there were a lot of small businesses that were started during this pandemic, and I think one of the things that I appreciated, there was a lane for Black-owned businesses, and especially also for Black-owned female businesses Correct. to be able to kind of get an opportunity in, a, in an arena that oftentimes were not presented with the best opportunities, because, you know, Politics and food is a situation, you know, especially and then you throw in beverages and all that stuff. It's 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 a hustle. And sometimes you got to know people to be able to get ahead um, and that those doors don't always open very easily. And so I think one of the things for me is, is that about telling people if you feel something that is a passion, you just figure it out. Like you, you figure it out, but then find yourself aligned with people that be, can be able to assist you with being able to kind of carve that path. Um, I think it's important for people to own their name. I'm very excited and happy that I was able to get my logo and my company name federally trademarked in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and that's something that some people don't even ever have an opportunity to do. Well, I feel like when I first met you, I neither cared that you were a woman nor cared that you were black. Right. Mm -hmm. we, we, we met on as two people. I was bringing we, cupcakes to your bar for well, somebody's birthday. <laughs> nobody was mad about those cupcakes, but unfortunately, <laughs> you have to be positioned as those things. So I don't see those things because we're a family and we're a team. But it's also important that those are recognizable because there there are roadblocks and there are, you know, unfortunate situations where it becomes harder for women and harder for you know black owned businesses for for whatever reason to succeed there have been grants put in place and there have been sort of some some metrics do you feel like you could benefit from that is there a way that you can lean into that or is that not important to you when you just are a business owner no i think it's i think it's important because the thing is is that you can say that you don't see that no no but as, I, yes, yeah, as friends, like as but, as meeting me you know correct. what i'm saying but that's who I am every time somebody I am a six foot black woman. I'm gonna tell you right you, now. I'm, I'm noticeable. For the podcast people I am notice I am noticeable, but I also stand on my truth of who I am as a black woman. And so the thing is is that it's extremely important for me to be able to understand the limitations that that has for me. And I think I, I've been blessed with an opportunity where I can reach people in a lot of demographics. Um, it's not a lot of people that come up to me when I say, Hey guys. 
this? <laughs> it's like, oh my God. Well, they may not like the tone of my voice, but um, you know, it, it allows me to open the door to be able to. I've never met someone that I can't have a conversation with. Um, however, it's about moving from that conversation into a different realm of business. Sure. Um, and again, I think that um, speaking from my perspective, it's complicated to do that as a woman. It's complicated for real to do that as a, as black, a black woman. woman. Yeah. And so I think it's important for me to stand in that truth and understand that that's just the reality that I live in. I've, I've lived that since I was five years old, the first time somebody ever called me a nigger. Yep. Standing on a corner, getting some ice cream. And so the thing is, that's been my life. My thing is to try to figure out how to make everybody that comes after me, the people that are in front of me, even if they're older, for them to understand, you can have your business, you can do this, you can go out and not be afraid to walk into any business. Um, you know, I've been in some restaurants um, that are five star, five dollar signs level restaurants. And the thing that they walk away with is that's the best lemonade I've ever had, or that's the best brittle that I have ever had. And they want to sell my product. And it's not because at that point they had to, because people again have, I mentioned earlier when people say, all she does is seafood. I mean, I see food. Uh, all she does is soul food. Another Reddit. Yeah, all, all she does is soul food. And the thing is, is about it's I I'm I'm complicated, but that's what a black woman is. Fair. Okay, so um, you got anything, Nicole? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. This is so, absolutely um, wonderful. My oldest child lives in L.A. and her favorite place to get Vietnamese style broth and. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, noodles and so forth is this place. Fucking. Well, except that. Oh, no! <laughs> he has to end by trumping. He got me. He got me. <laughs> but that's the name of her favorite. Jim wins. Vietnamese restaurant. Well, I can tell you that if um, given the opportunity, she might like mine more. <laughs> she might. She very well might. But what are we going to call it? <laughs> Not that. <laughs> We're going to be called faux therapy. Because <laughs> I just learned what Peggy okay, wants so, and I don't know. I can't unlearn it. So, oh, all right. God. So, we'll go, we'll go around the table and uh, we'll ask Laura, how can we get in touch with your two restaurants and other enterprises? Well, one of how the. Can we find them on the interweb. One of the impetuses of us doing this is because we want to illuminate the Baltimore City community and, and, and Maryland as a state to realize that. MLK is not a dangerous zone west. People have a very bad stereotype about where we are. And as you can hear from Randy today, and you'll hear in subsequent podcasts, um, this is a great community. Um, if you never find me and you just find Southwest Baltimore, that is acceptable as well. But I am the backyard. I'm at 131 South Schroeder, across uh, from the Buno Railroad Museum. And we also have a place in Allen's Market. Uh, which is a developing market. We're the oldest market in Baltimore. Um, and our interwebs are way above my pay grade. So you do have, you have presence on Facebook. We have the Facebook, we've got a website and we've got something about the Instagram, but so do um, a Google search and uh, or, or tune in, tune in next week and I'll find out information for everybody. I'm sure I'll have and, it on the ready. And how can we find your, 
materials grabbing? So as I said earlier, um, I am Miss Cook Therapy on all platforms. So it's always the at sign and then M-S-C-O-O-K therapy. Um, and so Instagram, um, that's I'm Miss Cook Therapy. On um, TikTok, I am Miss Cook Therapy. On uh do you Twi want a new side hustle? You can do my social media. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter, I am Miss Cook Therapy. Um, and the only difference, um, because somebody tried to steal my name, is on Facebook. And uh, it is Cooking Therapy. And there's no space in that. Um, and so, but I, I can be found there. And when you want to contact me, you can always go on my social media. It has a link and it has my business telephone number, which is 410-618-3435. Um, and again, all of my products are able to be deliverable. Somebody contacted me the other day about doing donuts and I was like for two dozen uh tell me when you want me to show up um and so but you can always reach me at my telephone number and my email address in the event that you are interested in doing meal preps because I also do team building events um that are cooking centered um is cooking is my cook therapy at gmail.com and this time of year we can find you at those locations and then in the uh in the warmer months, we can find you at the B&O Farmer's Market. Yeah, so I, I do um, vending events at those particular places um, yearly at this point. Um, and so you I, you um, will find me in the neighborhood um, over here when you cross over into our area of town. Um, but on top of that, I do um, vending events in a lot of different locations. Um, and I also uh, try my best to be able to figure out wherever my customers are. Um, and so I even have uh, something set up because I ship all of my products um, in that I have, if I have someone who's local in one state, who's an amazing customer, get to know them, they can be a point of sale so they can collect orders and then they get their order for free um in whatever state they're in um you know i've shipped cookies to guantanamo bay nice nice all right so uh unless anybody has anything else that concludes this episode of west of mlk and uh we'll come to you next time again live were recorded from the uh, studios here at Holland's Market, <laughs> where we have some of the best background noise in the city. Thank in you, Brittle. Brittany. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. Yay! Episode. Thanks again for listening to West of MLK, Revealing Suibo. You can find us on Instagram at West of MLK and on Podbean at westofmlk.podbean.com or look up West of MLK Revealing Soebo on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And when you look up Podbean, it's like coffee bean. <laughs> <laughs>